Welcome to Dice Funk Season 2. You don't have to have listened to Season 1 to enjoy this one, but that was a pretty good season, so it couldn't hurt to go back if you have the free time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your Dungeon Master, Austin Yorsky. Uh, you probably know me as Editor-in-Chief of Blister Thumbs, or as host of Word Funk, or Game Crunk, or any of the million things I do on the internet. Um, I'm here with four other, <sighs> let's just call them what they are, nerds. Just big old nerds. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a bit of a compliment on my part, so thank you. I'm glad you feel complimented. This season, we actually have an interesting spread. Last season, we had uh, two Marylanders, a Canadian, and a Floridian. This season, we went all out. We got the Mar- one Marylander back, we got a Canadian back, and then it's just Florida from here to eternity. That's right. Represent. Three Floridians. Sunshine State. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just intro these fools. I guess alphabetical order couldn't hurt. Who's first? Jay, Johnny, Johnny Maloney. What's up, dog? Hey, Austin, I'm back. Only this time, I guess I'm not in charge. <laughs> this time, you're gonna ruin it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Season two, Johnny's Revenge. Um, <laughs> so what should we know about you besides the fact that you're a player character this time and you're from the cold place? Um. I think that's really all anybody really needs to know about me. <laughs> cool. You did it. You did the thing. You're very humble. Uh, I guess we're going to move on to the next person then. Uh, Lauren, I think you're next in the alphabet. What's up? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not how alphabetical order works. J-K-L-M-N-O? Yeah, that is how. Dang. I win. I win Dang. this one. Okay. Hi. What's up? It me. Who are you? <laughs> what do you do? Why do we care? My name is Lauren. I... I I guess caption TV shows. Why you care about that? Not sure. But I'm just here to have a good time. I'm not here to make friends. Ooh, ooh. You're playing to win, I take it. Yeah, I'm playing to win. I'm playing for keeps. <laughs> I don't know who told you there would be a prize at the end of this. You were misinformed, though. There's nothing to gain <laughs> by being here. And everything to lose. Especially your dignity. That's That's pretty true. But the next person, probably the one everyone is here to listen to, the the popular one. Yep. <laughs> and the most humble, I find. Leon, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm Leon Thomas. Uh, I'm the host of Renegade Cut and uh, Word Funk, and sometimes I do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and just to clarify something, you are not the host of Word Funk. I am the host of Word Funk. You are like something else like a sidekick or... what is my what is my role on word funk then if not a host i know i'm not the host i'm a host right am i what, what... no you're not i i run the show it's... <laughs> wow wow it's almost yeah. like there's no such thing as a co-host ever uh, I, i'm correct me if i'm wrong there no no there is such thing as a co-host if like you're in a morning zoo show like k-dog in the zipper or something um <laughs> But that is that is absolutely not what's going on. And Austin, you know that I'm the host of Word Funk because you constantly complain about the fact that I edit out uh, inappropriate material, uh, usually said by you, um, or anything that's embarrassing to me personally. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have a problem with that. So you must know that I have like Orwellian control over everything that I do, you know. I would like to audition for uh, Best Boy. What's the film position? <laughs> I believe that's a position in film. Yeah, I think so. 
I want to be best boy on word funk. I will be key grip. <laughs> uh, key grip. That's a that's a that's a prime position there. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of grasping of things on word funk. That's cool. Uh, and lastly, uh, our third Floridian, we have Michael Skitch, Skitchiano Skitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. How's it hanging? It's it's going well enough. Uh, you know, I've I'm wrapped up in a couple of music projects. I'm not really hosting anything at the moment, really. So I'm just sort of writing on the coattails of all the famous people here. Uh, <laughs> famous person and friends. The famous persons, plural. I'm gonna I'm gonna add plural in there just for just to uh, lift everyone a little bit higher above me. <laughs> yeah, see, that's my plan here too. I like I like writing those coattails. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a coattail pyramid scheme. That's right. <laughs> oh man, if I, if I sell eighty coattails, I might be able to go up one rank. It's gonna be great. So we're here to play Dungeons and Dragons. Ostensibly, that's like the skeleton of this show. Um, but really, it's more of a radio drama, comedy, improv, friend, adventure, psychosexual experience. <laughs> We're going to take it to some places. Um, so I'm, I'm basically stalling at this point because I don't want to get into Leon's character. I know it's <laughs> going to happen eventually, but I would like to hold it off for as long as possible. Is there anything you guys want to get out there before we jump in? Like, I assume everyone listening knows what Dungeons & Dragons is. It's kind of a old tabletop game, but we've repurposed it for broadcasting purposes. So we just use basic rules of interaction. Um, most of the numbers you're going to hear are on a scale of 1 to 20, 10 being average, 20 being perfect, 1 being an abysmal failure. Um, the rules for the game are available for free on the Dungeons & Dragons website if you're curious. Also, all the character sheets will be posted on patreon.com slash if you want to look at them. But you don't need to know any of that to enjoy this. So we've we've designed it that way specifically. Anything else in that kind of sphere you guys have in your, you're having your heads rolling around? Not quite. I think it'll be more fun just to let it kind of lay out on the table as we reveal details. I mean, you're right. I wish you weren't. I wish there was something we could do to postpone what is coming. <laughs> I've been dreading it for weeks. <laughs> I've done everything. I've tried to talk him out of it. I've tried to propose uh, like alternate solutions. I've tried shaming him on social media. Like, nothing works. He's been, like, genuinely distraught. Yeah, let's rip the band-aid off. I'm, here's the, the basic structure. The first half of the show, they're going to introduce the characters, and then we're going to set a little intro scene for them to interact in. During this intro, you're going to tell me about your character, your name, your race, your class, and then you're going to roll your starting stats and allocate them so we get a kind of a feel of what you're good at. So, Leon, let's just start here. We're in it. What's up with your dude? <laughs> well, my character is a unicorn, but I'm not sure whether or not you want me to... Give, like, the background information or... Whatever information you want to share with the audience is up to you. Okay. Well, you know, that's totally fine. I mean, I have... I wrote, like, two paragraphs out to, you know, explain, like, her her backstory. I just didn't know whether or not you wanted uh, the audience to know that and the players to know everything about her or... um... That's fair. Okay, so if you listen to last season, I'm going to try to keep the references down just in case anyone's, you know, being onboarded with this one. We had secrets that we kept from each other and from the listeners. That was fun. This time we're going to something a little different. I'm I'm more interested in you guys interacting with all the knowledge on the table. I think we're going to try to go for a kind of uh, show-don't-tell kind of thing. 
I think it was Kurt Vonnegut who said to hell with suspense, tell the audience everything. That's kind of what I want. So you can have secrets from each other in character. Definitely totally fair game. Out of character, less interested in that. If there's something you do want to keep secret, you can talk to me about it. But don't hold back on that account if there's something relevant to what you're doing. Okay, well, in that case, I'm just going to say the entire backstory of my character. <laughs> uh, you don't have to. No, I'm, ab- I'm absolutely I going to. I fucked myself. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to say the entire backstory of my character now that I have the floor in the spotlight. Um, okay, so first things first, uh, although Austin had some sort of problem with this uh, from before, my character is a unicorn. A unicorn is in the monster manual, but is not normally a player character, but I'm playing her. Her name is uh, Violet Skittles Unicorn. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's it's the worst. It's yeah. not fair. You didn't do this. You didn't do this to Johnny. I like him more. Uh, so anyway, uh, Violet Skittles Unicorn was born twenty years prior to the events of the game. She lived in the Feywild with her mother. <laughs> she lived with her mother, uh, Butternut Squash Unicorn. And her father, Big John Stud Unicorn. Uh, so Suck my dick, Leon. <laughs> um, an evil sorceress, Generica. <laughs> Leon. <laughs> Eat my pussy. <laughs> Generic- Generica transformed Butternut into a ghost with a poison spell called Boo Gehrig's Disease. Uh, Violet learned the ways of sailing in spite of the fact that she has no fingers. Uh, she chanced... No. You stop. She chanced upon a set of outdated human encyclopedias sold by a multidimensional traveling salesman. Uh, curious about human beings and ignoring her father's warnings, she sought out Generica, not knowing she ghost-murdered Butternut, and requested a passage, uh, like a magical passageway, to the Prime Material Realm, which is where, uh, you know, all of this is really taking place, like the regular Earth Earth, um, in exchange for some of her unicorn pa- powers. Um we uh, discussed earlier that um, Violet, uh, most mostly unicorns in the Monster Manual have like all these superpowers, but if she had all of her powers, then she would be like overpowered. She'd be like a level 10 uh, alongside a bunch of level 1s, and that's not okay. So Austin and I discussed uh, before the show that she would have less powers than a normal unicorn, and I had to come up with a narrative reason for that, and that is the reason. It's very The Little Mermaid uh so you know that's that's sort of what's going on here uh anyway uh violet has been in the world of humans and other bipedal weirdos for about a week now uh so at the start of the adventure she's just sort of getting her bearings on what uh you know humans and all those others are that is the most terrible thing you've ever done to me in the five years we've known each other (laughs) good And now we got to see what the stats are for, for Violet, aren't we? I think we should roll, just so everyone has kind of a good idea of what each character is. So Violet the Unicorn, Barbarian, Sailor. Those are the important important things to know about this character. All that other garbage, just dump that out of your brain. Drag it over to the recycle bin. Drop that bitch right in there. <laughs> and then empty recycle bin. I'm going to need you to roll six 3d6s. Okay, I'm in the d20 uh, now. All right, so uh, 3d6 to see what I get. Okay, uh, 14, 12, 12, which is not bad. Uh, 7, <laughs> 7, 
And oh, a six, which is not good uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> karma, karma, karma. This is actually fine because uh, most of the stats that I need, I just need three good stats. All right. All right. So you got three good stats and three bad stats, which is interesting because barbarians have three stats they rely on. That's the physical strength, dexterity, and constitution. So you've, you're very over-specialized, which is interesting. I think uh, just barbarian unicorn is a fun concept in and of itself. So I'll, I'll enjoy seeing you roleplay this as much as I hate. Well, let's, let's call it, it is the trolling you brought to my campaign. <laughs> Now, now, my question is: Are you you're going to be running the intelligence, wisdom, charisma with those three low stats, and that is going to create some interesting things? Then you're a dumb, airheaded bumbler who's like fucking jacked. <laughs> no, she's just ignorant of human ways and the other ways, and I think that makes sense for her character. And to clarify the sailor background, obviously. You you made a joke about how you don't have fingers or whatever, but I think you said that your the forest that you were a guardian of had like a big river or something. So you yeah yeah she has seen the sea many times. She's a sailor. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a vague nautical theme running through this, and I kind of let that slip to Leon to help him not make a useless character. But literally, the only thing anyone here knows about my campaign is mildly inspired by The Wind Waker. So you're gonna plug those in, and that sheet will be available if you want to look at it. I do want to stress, though, it is hard to look at. Leon did some shit to it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did the best shit to it, actually. Um, if you'd like to know, uh, I will just tell you. Um, on my character sheet, uh, I changed um, where it says Dungeons & Dragons to Dungeons & Unicorns. I have like a little overlay uh, over that. I also have uh, a unicorn picture over the dragon. So it says Dungeons & Unicorns with a big, beautiful unicorn over the unicorn. Also, all of my stats, which I'm about to plug in. Um, instead of saying strength, dexterity, constitution, etc., say unicorn strength and unicorn dexterity, etc. Um, also, uh, at the bottom, where it says attacks and spellcasting, because I'm just really just going to be using the horn uh, throughout, um, and I, I certainly will not have spells, because I don't like looking up magic stuff. Uh, there's just another big, beautiful rainbow there. I have uh, the nicest character sheet, and uh, that's all there is to it. So, so the game we're playing is now officially Dungeons and Unicorns. I hate you. That's the thing. If you were like genuinely trying to sandbag my game, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> I love you, Leon. Let's move on. <laughs> Johnny, I believe your first alphabetical, now that we've gotten that fool out of the way, why don't you hit us with your okay. rhythm um, stick? The character I'm going to be playing uh, for t Season 2 of Dice Funk is going to be a, a human monk um, by the name of Drop, as in uh, a drop in the ocean, or a drop in a bucket. He's uh, a little unbalanced uh, as far as, as monk classes go, um, the, the history that I've written that, um, I, I believe actually, as of this point in time, the only person who's read my character history, uh, of the five of us is Austin. Um, and without getting into the t too many details of the page long uh, history that I've made, essentially over the course of his life, just about everybody near and dear to this person has died in in some of the most spectacular ways you know like i've i i have it written here uh at the very beginning the course of drop's life seemed to begin rather abruptly when his mother anna died in childbirth crushed by a falling roof support that the commotion of her labors had caused to come loose some 
In the ensuing panic to free her crushed body from the pinning pillar, a section of the roof collapsed, knocking his only two siblings, Eric and Aaron, twins, into the trough of water being used as a birthing vessel. They drowned. His father Marcus, not a particularly bright man and more than a little overwhelmed by all the chaos, went to gain help from the neighbors, inadvertently knocking a lantern aside and setting the house on fire. Drop was rescued very quickly by one of his intrepid neighbors, but not before the adjoining livestock shelter also caught fire, suffocating all the farm help within, and giving his father an incredible case of chronic pneumonia, something that would last up until the day he died, two years later. Uh, it goes on. Um, oh, I thought you didn't get to the punchline. Okay, you, you want me to, his father's death? You want, you want me to go that far? Yeah, that's my favorite part. All right. Uh, his father, Marcus's breathing problems, would prove fatal in the end, as while attempting to run into shelter from a terrible storm, something his pulmonary systems were unable to maintain for any length of time, he stopped dead in his tracks, only to be struck by lightning three times in very succinct intervals. This is like the darkest Monty Python sketch ever. <laughs> um, so it, it goes on from there. Uh, his his care bounces around to his grandparents, who who also die, I believe, from infection, uh, in for, gained from rotten wood splinters gained while attempting to teach drop the basics of woodworking. Uh, it's, it's like all of your loved ones are the Black Knight from the Holy Grail. Almost, almost, yeah. Uh, and then again, he he kind of bounces to the the care of the state, quote unquote, uh, because nobody in town wanted a piece of him. Because at, like at this point in time, this like six year old boy had just had everybody die around him, so he gets put in the care of a a, a yeoman uh, who worked as a groundskeeper for uh, the local uh, the local nobles, and then while. Uh, uh, looking after the grounds and the game <clears throat> on these lands, he watched his entire hometown sink into the ocean. Into the ocean, you say? It, yes, to the ocean. Strangely enough, my history starts on a coastal city. I wonder why that is. Very interesting. Yes. Um, and uh, and so uh, it, it goes on uh, how the noble family, uh, he had inadvertently causes them to all be killed by a pack of mad wolves. And uh, uh, is the sole survivor of a hurricane that saves him from said a pack of wolves. Uh, when he comes, uh, when when he has come across uh, in a very wrecked state um, by a, a monk named uh, Sheathane, an elf who uh, takes pity on him. This kind of, as I describe him, a teenage boy standing astride the ruins of a magnificent mansion, half mauled by wolves, making a high pitched whining noise between desperately taken breaths. At this point in time, he had finally come to grips with the, the idea that he might actually be cursed and was scared to have anybody else around him. When uh, Shayathane's order, um, called the Order of the Calm Waters, um, tried to talk to him, talk him down into a slightly sort of calmer em emotion management uh, process, um, and says that, hey, you know, like, you can come and live with us, and don't worry about your curse. If it's time, it's time. If it's not, it's not. You know, we will all pass on when it's actually the universe and the gods deem that it's time for us to pass on. So he goes with Shaythane to the monastery and for many years uh, tries to train his mind to overcome this idea that he is a nexus of horrible things. Um, and while he's there, of course, uh, year upon year, uh, new casualties befall uh, uh, the monks there. I've written here... Dysentery, freak cart accident, crushed by falling brick, anaphylaxis, 
sinkhole, an extremely unusual sandal accident, an unusually aggressive badger, what should have been a very funny banana peel prank, one inexplicable mosquito attack, the laundry incident, a particular library shelf with very ill-managed weight distribution, a sudden unpredictable tidal wave, and architectural outhouse issues, to name some of the more prominent ones. The aristocrats. The aristocrats. Um, <laughs> so uh, up until we basically a few weeks ago, before the beginning of this adventure, um, Drop and Shayathane managed to somehow be the only two people left in the Order of the Calm Waters. Um, and after a long discussion between the two of them, Drop decided that it would probably be better for him to leave. So he put his things in his bindle and uh, uh, set foot out, no, out on the road. As I write here, afraid, not unprepared, but a little unstable. So I'm, I'm going to be playing a monk with emotional problems. I can't tell if I'm being trolled. I cannot tell anymore. <laughs> Roll those stats, bad boy. Okay, all right. So, hmm. First, 14. That's a respectable start. 11. Ooh, we're mm. still above average here. 14. Wow. Ooh, not so bad. 8. Mm. <laughs> 16. Damn. <laughs> and 7. Damn good. Not bad at all. Not bad yeah. at all. You got enough for some flaws, but you got one, like, you know, super good stat. Maybe the best character we've had on this show. So, yes, so far we have Violet, the barbarian unicorn, and Drop, the human monk. I think your background is Hermit. I don't know if you yeah. hit that. We we kind of de-emphasized uh, backgrounds last season, but they're just a, a part of your character that kind of decides a couple other things you're good at. It's not... Incredibly important, but something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Next in line, Lauren. Me. You. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm playing Lavinia, also known as Vinny, because nobody wants to say Lavinia. Um, and she is a dryad bard. Um, so Vinny's deal <laughs> is that she was a person, a human person, who lived in the city that had a sacred tree. She was one of the guards protecting the sacred tree. She died protecting the sacred tree. Alona, um, who is one of the goddesses of the forest, she brought Vinny back to life because she did good. Uh, but she brought her back as a dryad. So she's a dryad, kind of. But she looks like a person. She's like a small, chubby person with giant leaf hair and green skin. I should specify, um, we're playing this in the Roll20 app, so I have little portraits for all the characters. Uh, Violet, the unicorn, is the asshole unicorn from the last season of Gravity Falls. <laughs> Drop is Marvin the Paranoid Android from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And Lavinia is Poison Ivy from Batman. <laughs> so that's what we're working with so far. Anyways, I got more shit. You got so much shit? I've teased you so much when you brought me this concept because you're basically like, I want to be me, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let me live. Oh my god, don't drag me like this. <laughs> oh my gosh, what did I do to you? I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. Fuck you, I'm gonna continue. Anyways, my fucking instrument is a lute. And because uh, dryads have to be near their tree, Austin said that I could carry my tree, a living piece of my tree with me, which just happens to be my lute. 
Um, uh, my mission is to plant more seeds of the tree because water is rising, and that's weird that there's so much water going on. Mm. Yeah, it's really weird. You came to me and you said, I want to be a dryad. I said, well, that's not in the book. We're going to have to work some shit out. So we kind of... Yeah. Uh, we we came up with this backstory that you're on a mission for your sacred tree because dryads have to be near their tree or they die. So you have it with you. Um, you actually have two pieces of your tree with you, if I recall. Yes, my other one is a is a vine whip, the scorpion whip, because it has rapier stats, but it's a whip. So there's like a pointy thing on the end. Which I believe is a thorn from the tree. Yeah, like a thorn from the tree. Yeah, and um, on the back on the like guitar side on the back of my lute there is a little face painted on it with magic paint and it makes expressions based on my feelings it's like plank from ed ed and eddie but magic <laughs> and makes faces we didn't specify uh johnny you're the type of monk who fights with a sword you're a, a crouching tiger hidden dragon monk I'm I'm I have a sword, but I'm still capable of fighting unarmed as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to picture for for the fan artists out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little more I'm a little more crouching tiger than I am like, you know, Little John, Robin Hood, Friar Tuck, so Yeah. I know uh Lauren has a lot in a lot in mind when it comes to the how Lavinia's total like fashion thing. You wanna hit me with that? Uh you mean the way I look? Yeah. You're seen. So again, like short chubby like i don't want it like she does not look like a normal dryad but she's usually like a tall pretty elf lady she just looks like a, a stupid little person um <laughs> she has giant leafy hair yeah write that down she has giant leafy hair which like all dryads changes with the seasons and her skin's like a like a pastel spring green but other than that i like there's no specific um i think in my mind her hair is like a wisteria tree but that's because i think they're pretty and it doesn't actually matter um how do you spell that uh, wisteria yeah uh w-i-s-t-e-r-i-a cool um also she already knows elias is, is that how you say it elias Kish? yes that's how okay yeah uh we yeah. met i say like a couple weeks ago we'll get into that when skitch does his character but every everyone is strangers everyone is strangers except for skitch and lauren's characters who have known each other for like a week or so Yes, and my background is folk hero. As part of my background as well, I, uh, we didn't we didn't cover this, Austin. But as part of my background, I am in possession of a mysterious and strange discovery. Oh, oh yeah, epic proportions. Epic proportions that will shake the very foundations of heaven and earth when revealed. Oh, yeah, everyone's background gives them stuff, which I, we mildly touched on backgrounds. Uh, Violet the unicorn. Uh, has boat abilities, <laughs> so that's kind of vague. We'll we'll get into that. Drop has a secret, which even Johnny doesn't know. We we discussed it a little bit, and we basically I basically told him there will come a time when things will be revealed to him, and he can choose to share them with the others if he wants to. Uh, but he's going to get some cool shit for himself. Yeah. But Vinny, you are a folk hero. Yes. Uh, so due to me being brought back to life, people are like, "Whoa, that's really cool." And so people tend to recognize me. They're like, aren't you that girl? Because this also only happened about, I'd say, seven years ago. So I've only been a dryad for like seven years. But the transformation has made me fuzzy on my human memories and also on how humans deal with each other. You're you're like, a, it's like a weird half-breed story, but you're also a minor celebrity. Yes. You got stuff going yes. on. Oh, and Alona also uh, is associated with unicorns, which is not on purpose. Not planned. So she's probably going to geek out real hard over Violet. 
I said, we literally said, what God do you worship? You said, I don't know what's in the book. And I was like, here's the book. And you're like, that's a chaotic, good nature deity. I'll take that one. And then we Googled it and it was the unicorn one. It was not, it was not a deliberate choice, but you guys are going to have some fun interactions. Yes. And Alona is really important to Vinny, but it's not like an Anne level of like obsession. I think, I just think we're best friends. (laughs) So. So you're religious, but you're not a cleric. Yeah. You're like a Christian rock star because you're a bard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Cool. Are you ready to roll those stats? Lavinia, the dryad, bard, folk hero. Yes. Lavinia, L-A-V-I-N-I-A. Lavinia. You got it. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Okay, so I get to roll six of these guys. Six of those dudes. Six of those boys. Oh, no. I knew this was going to happen. All right. Oh, no. Just. Okay. Okay. We pass. All right. Nice. That's not terrible. 4, 8, 13, 11, 13, 12. So that 4 is going to define you, but the rest of you is fine. Yeah, I mean, I think the the 4 is going to go... Uh-oh. Here. Would you consider yourself frail? Well, because my two, my two dump stats, I think I'm going to put the 4 in wisdom. Okay, so you're smart enough, but you don't, you're, you're airheaded, basically. Yes. Yes. And 8 would probably go in strength. Yeah, eight, eight is going in strength. Um, okay, well, while you write all that down, do you guys want to move on to Skitch's character? Yeah, I'm going to figure out where I want to put everything. Yeah, Skitch, hit me. All right, uh, my character, his name is Elias Valamin. He is an Aladrin rogue. Can you spell that name for me, son? All right, the first name is spelled as Alias, A-L-I-A-S, but is pronounced Elias. And the last name is V-A-L-A-M-I-N, Valamin. You're also the only one who has a last name, which could just be a quirk of the way you roleplay. But yes. I'm actually going to justify it in-universe as... No, Violet does have a last name. She Violet Skittles Unicorn is her full name. I was choosing to ignore that, but you know what? Let's play, let's play with it, because uh, this is going to be a very cooperative kind of uh, roleplaying thing. We're all going to contribute to this lore. Let's right, right. say that... Because you guys are both from the Feywild, and that was, once again, not planned. You just happen to pick Fey creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in the Feywild are much more likely to use their last name. The kind, mm-hmm. the place where you guys are playing is more of a rural area. It's uh, not some place people would have, like, long... Elaborate names. Lineages. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not important. Like, this is, this is the part of the map where it says, here there be dragons. Like, people aren't interested in who your father was. So I think that's going to be a cultural clash of the kind of people who would use last names. It's kind of a marker of you guys being, like, snobby, pretentious, outsiders, something like that. Hmm? Just uh, sneaking in here for unrelated stuff. You said I get a plus two to charisma, right? Correct. And you can also speak to animals and plants as being part of a dryad. That's what I gave you. Now, uh, to, to continue with my character background, uh, since it's my turn, um, my character's background is that he's a far traveler from the Feywild because, effectively, Elias is kind of a tourist in the material plane. Uh, he grew up in the city of Mithrandain in the Feywild, and his father is a headmaster of a library, his mother is a jeweler, and so for the first hundred or so years of his life, he sort of the basic Eladrin upbringing sort of stuff, but two things kind of always caught his attention. One was the material plane, because there's all these books of grand adventures happening in the material plane, 
The other one was just magic because, hey, there's these arse mages that can do magic. Why can't I? Uh, unfortunately, uh, many people basically forbade him from even entertaining the idea of either going to the material plane or uh, studying magic on any deep level. Uh, so at one point he just surmises, well, if I'm going to go to the material plane, I got to go when the material plane and Feywild touch each other in a way to create a, uh, a, a rift between the two worlds. And one day, a rift such uh, a rift formed in Mithridane. He took his chance, jumped in it, found himself in the ruins of a city in the material plane, and then went off with his inaccurate maps and outdated lore about the ways of the people in the material plane, hoping to find out more about what's going on in this world. Uh, so he's been in the material plane for about a f about four weeks, I'm going to say, give or take. He's basically spent all of his money he brought with him. He's done some small odd jobs, but now he has no money. The equipment he brought with him, and after bumping into uh, Lauren's character, which I need to remember her name. Uh, Lavinia or Vinny? Well, he ran into Lavinia uh, about a week ago. Recognized that, huh, this is a weird fae creature. And, oh, uh, maybe I might need to help her out a bit. And decides to team up with her. Also because he realized that, hey, Vinny knows magic. Maybe she could teach me magic? I don't know. We'll see what happens. And so that's sort of how he's been able to find himself in this world. So big thing about him is that he's an Eladrin, so he looks like an elf, except his eyes don't have pupils on in him. And he looks even more wispy than, like, a uh, high elf, because he's, you know, uh, even more of the Feywild and magically laced and stuff like that. So you're a very fancy elf. Indeed, a very fancy elf. He has jewelry on, too, because he has jewelry for two different deities on him. Cool. Yes. You want to roll those stats, fancy boy? All right. Let's see if his let's see if his stats are as fancy as him. Okay. We got a nine, five, seven. Oh Christ. Four. Oh no. A ten. And a three. I might. This may not. I, I may not be able to work with these stats. Ooh. Yeah. Because the highest possible stat. The highest possible stat I could have is a twelve in. One thing in dexterity. So this is the seventh character rolled in the history of no eighth because uh, Alana eighth character rolled in the history of Dice Funk, and I think we may have our first Mulligan. I'm going to let you re-roll those the whole array uh, because that that is not a useful character. <laughs> it's, it's like this. All right, let's see. Okay, this is already a better start with twelve, eleven, fifteen, twelve, <laughs> eleven. <laughs> And 12. <laughs> Son uh, of a... Okay. Okay, roll 20. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it's like a useless, bunch of useless stats. And then like, uh, it's a pretty good set ray there. Yeah, you just went from the worst character in the party to the best. Well, second best, because I think, honestly, uh, Johnny's has better highs than mine does. Oh, God. I, I, I'm, like, I'm like the most averages, averages the average character in the party here. It's still pretty good. What kind of weapon are you rocking for people's mental image? Um, actually, Elias carries um, three weapons with him. He has a rapier, a scimitar, and a longbow. Which one? Which one do you favor? Let's say because we got we got Violet's definitely going to use the horn. Mm -hmm. Drops definitely going to use the sword. Lavinia's definitely going to use her whip with a thorn on it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and forth between the sword and kicking people's asses. He, he probably will go. He'll probably will switch between the rapier and the longbow as his two mains. 
also I'll probably be spellcasting in the background, TBH. Yeah, you definitely were going to be a spellcasting type of bard. I'm just trying to picture them in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and sign those stats then. Yeah, while you're doing that, let's recap real quick. So we have Elias, the Eladrin rogue, mm-hmm. and your background is Far Traveler, which basically yeah. means you're a tourist. We have Lavinia, the Dryad bard, whose background is Folk Hero. We have Drop, the human monk, who is a hermit. And we have Violet, the motherfucking unicorn <laughs> barbarian, who is a sailor. So that's those are your player characters. Are you guys uh are you guys verging on ready for our, our intro scene, our prologue, if you will? Should I say what my spells are? Sure. Okay, so for my cantrips I took Vicious Mockery and Friends, which is Bill's basically kill graving people for one minute and then they get really mad at you. <laughs> That's yeah, friends is vicious mockery is you insult them so hard they die. Yep, I, yes. I know that spell intimately. <laughs> <laughs> Because I played bards all the time in 4th edition. I'm- I-, I thought you were just like, I get bullied a lot. <laughs> oh. oh. And then for my like actual spells, I took Cure Wounds, Dissonant Whispers, which Austin, if you want to explain that. You're doing some Cthulhu shit to people's minds, which is interesting because you're ostensibly a good character. We didn't talk alignment. You're chaotic good. Uh, Skitch's character is chaotic good. And... Mm-hmm. Drop the monk is lawful neutral, so you follow your monk way, but you're not necessarily good or bad. Mm-hmm. And Violet the Unicorn is neutral good. Yeah. I also I also want to mention too that as a, as the hermit background, I was allowed to pick um a particular instrument which I gain like inner peace from. <laughs> uh so Drop will be playing the bagpipes. <laughs> but you don't have any yet, right? Do I not? I don't remember. Did you? Do you have them on your sheet? It was, it's part of my starting kit. I'm allowed to select uh, an, an instrument. Then hell yeah, you got bagpipes, son. I got bagpipes. As a little, as a fun side note, um, Elias's high stat is actually not dexterity, but intelligence for the purposes of him being more of a bookworm growing up than like super, super good at being stealthy, but still good enough at his job. Yeah, I like the role playing focus. That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> My last two spells were Unseen Servant and Fairy Fire. Yeah, Unseen Servant is you summon an invisible Meeseeks, and Fairy yep. Fire is you lay down, like, basically, like, tracer rounds on people so they can be kept track of. Um, but yeah, forgot, we forgot about alignments, but Vinny and... I'm going to keep messing this name up because it's spelled Alias. Elias? Elias. Elias. You, you got that squad. You guys are friends. You guys are both chaotic good. And then Monk's easy to remember because he's lawful. He follows Monk code. And then we got the Unicorn who is good because it's a unicorn and it has to be. But Leon doesn't want to play lawful because that means he'd have to follow some fucking rules. <laughs> well, it's more, it's more because uh, she wouldn't know the local customs and laws. Uh, also because uh, another word for neutral good is true good. And she follows her heart more than the letter of the law. I think that makes sense. <laughs> You're like, this is how we do shit in the Feywild, sucker. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. The, what I'm going to set up here is a prologue. I just want to, like, let's get the programming notes out of the way. So, like, some things behind the scenes. We're not going to be handing out experience. Last season, we did the traditional experience, and there's some problems with that. I think it, like, wastes time. We're at the hand it out at the end of episodes, and it also incentivizes certain ways of playing because killing dudes is worth more than not killing dudes. And I always want people to just play. So, instead, I'll be handing out full level ups when certain things are accomplished. No one really needs to worry about that. I'll take care of it. 
Another thing is I've uh, changed a bunch of the math behind the scenes. So one of the things I don't like about tabletop games is that like if you see a dude running at you with a sword, you're like, well, that sword's a D8 and I have 50 health, so I can take 8 to 12 slashes. And it's like, that's kind of lame. If a dude's running at you with a sword, be afraid. He's going to stab you. And then if he stabs you, you're in trouble. You've just been stabbed. So I, what I've done here in the simplest terms is lowered enemy health so that they die faster, but raised their damage output. So you die faster. Um, mm. don't, you don't need to worry about that. And I've tested it with my group. It works fine. It's you guys still, still playing the same characters, but you, basically I just want to take that idea out of your head if, if that you could just play it by the books and instead play it the way a person in your situation would play it. More lethal on both sides of the sword, as it were. As it were. Yeah. So this is basically Dark Souls now? <laughs> we Dark Souls now. Now, listen, we've got a talking fucking unicorn. It's not Dark Souls. Oh, that's a fun, fun fact. What, what languages do y'all speak? I think everyone speaks Common and Elven. And Vinny speaks Sylvan. And I speak Sylvan as well. So Drop speaks Orc, additionally. Yeah, so everyone speaks Common and Elf. The Fey characters speak Sylvan, which is the language of the Feywild. Uh, so they can can't they can communicate, but Drop doesn't understand. But Drop knows Orc, which they do not. Violet actually uh, speaks a lot of languages. She speaks uh, Common, Elvish, Sylvan, and Celestial, which is the language of angels. But we probably won't run into too many of them. Probably not. I, d- I did stress before that this is not this is not an urban campaign. You guys are in a weird part of the map, and I'll, I'll introduce it to you guys when you're ready. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Johnny, you're still doing math? Uh, nope. No, I think I'm all taken care of. What about you, Sketch? I'm I'm ready to go. I got all my stats and stuff settled here, so I'm good to go. All right. So season one is called Stone Root, because that's, that's mostly where it takes place in the city of Stone Root. Season two is going to be called Lorelei. It takes place in the Lorelei region. It's basically, as I've hinted before, largely... Water based. <laughs> we're look, we're looking at uh, a moist situation here, folks. <laughs> I've hinted to you before that you were going to start on a boat, and that's where that's where y'all are. I I'm looking at the roll twenty thing now. We're not going to be using it much. We mostly use it for rolls. But I did specify uh, what three of the characters' icons are. I forgot the fourth. I have Elias down here as Sephiroth. <laughs> is the fourth icon because uh yes the eladrin are a fair-haired folk and very slender indeed but i i referenced the roll 23 because there's only three icons visible for most people if you zoom way the fuck out i i see her violet is not with the other three that's a very interesting thing I understand that my character is going to be treated differently because she's a unicorn. Because, okay, I just peek, peek behind the curtain. It may seem like I'm being mean to Leon, but I had to do a lot of work behind the scenes. The unicorns are a very particular kind of creature. Your horn is worth tens of bazillions of fortunes. It's the most valuable substance on the material plane, and anyone who sees it will want it. So you're going to, it's going to seem like I'm being mean to you, like I'm painting a target on your back, and I don't want to do that. But I was upfront about this with you, and I had to take this into account. So I just want to get that out of the way, that the unicorn is going to be a liability, and we'll see how it works. I am totally comfortable with that. <sighs> I like your confidence, Leon. The, the moxie <laughs> there is, is, is noted. All right. So, yes, you guys are in the Lorelei region. Uh, for as long as you can remember, the waters have been rising. 
for a long time, people didn't believe it was happening. And then they argued about why it was happening and what could be done. And then by the time there was any sort of agreement, uh, everyone turned around and the people in charge were gone. People with magic teleported away. The people with money took all the ships and left. And the region has devolved somewhat into chaos. The main force left is the Glitter Gold Company. You are now all currently aboard the Glitter Gold 9, a last of the ships in the region to get out. A ticket is worth more money than anyone could ever imagine. Um, you've all come into them by by means of which you can you can we can build right now. I was assuming that Lavinia's village pooled their resources to send their their very special package off on its journey for <laughs> for religious reasons. I assume um, drop maybe you were you're a monk, so maybe you were like panhandling and you were you had a generous benefactor. Maybe uh, maybe he likes to go for a walk. <laughs> I I don't know what that means in this context. Just like kind of traveling, figuring his place out. Yes, but you how would how would you have come across uh, Willy Wonka's golden ticket to get on this boat? Oh well, you know, I mean, I, I must not have walked away from the monastery with nothing. So perhaps I was playing the bagpipes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was doing labor for for a little bit of money, or I sold some food because there was only two of us at the monastery, and <clears throat> all those crops, man, seeing that go to waste, that'd be a shame. Because uh, I was thinking Elias brought something maybe from the Feywild and there was a collector or maybe a, a professor or somebody who who saw its true value and traded him. Yeah, but probably one of the books he had on hand that was, you know, an ancient tome that uh, was notable both for its rarity and also its gross inaccuracies of the <laughs> lands due to be written by very bigoted um, Aladrin. So it's a very good collector's item of an, of uh uh, for a for a scholar, to say the least. Nice. Yes. So yeah, you traded for yours. Lavinia's, everybody in your whole village got together and gave all their earthly possessions to get you this ticket. I don't, I mean, drop. I'm trying to think of something that would fit with you. You could, I mean, you could have taken it from the monastery if, if someone, maybe someone left it there for some reason. Sure. Sure, we could say that. The person ahead of him in line just burst into flames <laughs> unexplicably. A, a mysterious stranger maybe left it for you. I'm open to these things because I'm not trying to, um, I've said before, my DMing style is very uh, improvisational. So feel free to chime mm -hmm. in if anybody has an idea, any ideas. But the interesting thing about this is that you three are on this boat with your tickets. Violet is on this boat, but she does not have a ticket. My feeling is that Violet has come aboard posing as a horse, like someone else's horse. So no one's like, whose horse is that? You know, everyone's just okay mm. with it. What? You th you'd think that, but let's start the scene with Violet, the unicorn, who is currently in a cage in the hold of the Glitter Gold Nine with a bag over her head. What can I see? <laughs> you can't see anything. You're in total darkness. You were led down here, and you're, you're familiar enough with the sounds of locks and chains and so, so forth. You know your captor, who you, someone you ran across and naively trusted, and who has himself secured a ticket and is now locking several more padlocks on the outside of the cage just for good measure. And that's where you are right now, Violet. I, I would like to roll to get the bag off my head. I don't know if that's a strength check. Or... <laughs> <laughs> what the, um, you don't have to roll anything. We'll just say you can role play that you swing your head back and forth. 
Willow Smith style until it comes off. Okay, then uh, I look around now that All my right. eyes are You are open. in the hold of a ship. There are crates and boxes, and you are in a cage. There are several other cages around that have various things inside them. There's only one other sapient figure, which is a shortish, uh, bipedal, frog-like creature wearing mage's robes and holding a twisted wooden staff. Okay, Violet says, hello, hi, uh, my name is Violet. Uh, why am I here? Uh, the figure who you are well aware is your captor, uh, croaks at you in what you assume is language, but do not understand. Violet says, why did you kidnap me? (laughs) Uh, the figure waves his staff a little bit and you see some light shine out of it. And when he croaks again, this time you hear words inside of your mind and you assume that the magic is translating his speech and it's, and the voice inside your mind says, your horn is worth many fortunes. You will feed my family for a thousand generations in the new world. Okay, I am rolling to break out of the cage. I am rolling uh, right um, now to do a strength <laughs> to check. Just, just a Hulk smash? Yeah, I can turn my rage on, and I can, I'm can. i going to try to break out of the cage. So D <laughs> D20 plus 2, remember, scale of 1 to 20. That's fine. As a barbarian class, I can actually turn my rage on, and that means I can roll twice and take the higher one. That's advantage. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. You do. I just want to make one thing clear about the way I do rolls because that's another programming note I forgot. Is I play, I play a little old school. Crits are going to be extremely good. Like in one of my campaigns, someone critted in a fight that should have done like okay damage, and instead the person they were fighting lost a limb. But by the same token, botches are very bad. Uh, someone botched and they also lost a limb. So, they were drinking a glass of water, lost a limb. (laughs) Okay, that's perfectly fine. Uh, Just to clarify, I'm turning rage on, and that is a bonus action, so that doesn't take any of my... Yeah, you hulk out if you want to... Yeah, it's your party, you can hulk if you want to. Okay, that doesn't take any of my turn. So, I am now going to uh, roll d d20, uh, plus my modifier, and see how that works out for me breaking down the cage. Holy shit... (laughs) On <laughs> twenty crit natural twenty. I told you, uh, Violet is going to be like super awesome. She has a very she well she doesn't have a very high strength, but she has rage powers, uh, and she is amazing. So she just smashes that thing like the thing, and just completely clobbers it. <laughs> All right, deal with it. For those playing at home, it was fifty eight minutes. Until Leon ruined a thing I had planned. <laughs> Mark it up. So Violet turns around, uh, seemingly just giving the figure the cold shoulder, which I, I had described previously as a short, basically a frog man. And her eyes go wide in anger and she just does a back horse kick, the likes of which neither man nor beast has ever seen before. Two padlocks shatter and the door goes flying, slamming into the frog man and sending both door and man across the room into a crumpled heap. He does not seem to be moving. Oh, what a shame. I had lots more planned and you ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to dice funk, Austin. Welcome to being in charge of dice. (laughs) So good. This, this is the fate of dice funk DMs. It's it's a curse that would pass down generations. Okay. Violet is now, you know, able to leave the cell, then she does, and she walks around. 
Um, what I want to do is investigate the uh, the hold, the cargo hold where I am, and see uh, what I see around me. Or is there any objects or any people? Is there a way out? I, I want to know what's basically around yeah, me. As you look around the hold, you see it's mostly like exotic fruits and such. People got a couple of paintings out. There doesn't appear to be any like money, but it's mostly like valuables that people got on board. You are, I, I, everyone else has their starting gear because they brought it with them. You did not. You are basically naked. Okay, you said that the frogman had a staff, so uh, Violet walks up to it and breaks it. That way uh, he's disarmed uh, if he's still alive. Uh, and I sort of like poke around him and see what he has on him and uh, that kind of thing. But I kick away his weapons or what's left of it anyway. I don't know if I roll for that. Oh, yeah, you don't need to make any rolls. You stomp on the staff, it breaks, there's a little crackle of electricity, and then it goes dead. You look and you see that the frog mage is breathing, but very unconscious. Okay, cool. Um, uh, Okay, so he's unconscious, he's unarmed, and I'm stuck in here. I want to, I basically want to, like, pace around because I'm I'm full of rage and I don't want to just, like, pop out. And like start crushing everything, but I do do want to look around um, the hold and see if there's a way out. Like, is are there stairs to go up to a door? Is there just a door? I mean, you said I was downstairs in a hold, so I assume yep, there's stairs up to the next level, and there's a door that's closed at the top. Okay, um, I don't want to go up there just yet. The camera cuts to a new scene in the passenger section of the Glitter Gold Nine. Drop the human monk is sitting. Uh, with other passengers, mostly gnomes. You guys know that the Glitter Gold Company is mostly comprised of gnomes. It is named after their chief deity. Mm-hmm. It's a very gnomish operation. There's a couple of dwarfs, a couple elves. You think you see some half-orcs mixed in uh, on this ship. But where you are now, mostly gnomes. And where you are sitting, a, you see a gnomish stewardess come up to you, drop, and tell you that you guys will be departing shortly. And that you should get one last look outside because it is very beautiful, and this may be the last time you see the Lorelei region. Drop, sort of like, eyeballs this gnomish stewardess for a second. Not aggressively, not, you know, not not trying to intimidate or anger, anything like that. Sighs audibly. There are, I'm presuming there are windows in the compartment that I'm in. There are now. <laughs> All right. Uh, sighs audibly, looks over his shoulder out the window... Says, uh, looks back inside and starts cleaning his bagpipes. Okay. While you, why, when you look outside, besides uh, miles and miles of blue ocean water in every direction, you do see the spit of land from which you boarded, Meadowlark Island, upon which the Glitter Gold Tower is situated, and the docks from which you came. Uh, you do notice there's something of a mob on the docks. Uh, a lot of people who appear to be very angry, they're not on the ship you are on. And people in golden armor, presumably their gold employees, who are holding back those rowdy folk. All right. He turns around again, looks a little closer out the window, and says, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like drop. But you are going to stay in the, the residential section of the ship polishing your bagpipes which is not a euphemism for the for the moment but he's but he's paying a little bit more attention to what's going on outside now all right uh with that's with with that established we're going to cut over onto the deck of the ship which is much more sparsely populated only a couple of people roaming around you can see uh, a gnome at the wheel of the ship up near the back where they are on ships 
And at the front, on the bow, pulling a Titanic, more or less, are two figures, Elias the Eladrin and Lavinia the Dryad. Uh, and they're just chilling. They're bros. They're hanging out. What's up? I'm doing poses for my adoring public on shore. <laughs> There's a small fan club of people holding signs that say, like, we love Lavinia and, and stuff like that. Champ, uh, we heart champion of Alona, savior of our god. Everyone loves you. They're chanting and they're doing little songs. It's certainly nice that you're getting a, well, a good sending off here, it looks like, Lavinia. Yeah, I know. I just wish everyone could come with me. And I'm just going to keep posing. <laughs> it seems that the Glitter Gold are insistent on not having too many people on this ship, possibly for liability reasons or mm, for other reasons. I can't be sure. That's dumb. Lavinia, you you know from, you know, being living in this region longer than anyone else. Well, maybe Drop Drop has been here longer. That's true. More than your compatriot, uh, at least, that there are very few boats at all left in the region. They were taken mostly by the rich and powerful when things started going really bad, and that's why it's so hard to evacuate the region. So, that's backstory for this conversation you're having. Um, does my like town have like a name that I have not thought of yet? Because I haven't thought of one. Uh, no, you can give your village a name anytime you want. I think in your backstory, all we specified was you have the tree, which I believe we called the Spiral of Lorelei. Yes. Because the trunk is uh, spiraling. Much like a much like a like a unicorn horn. Oh, oh, oh! Look at that! Look at that, guys! We did a thing. <laughs> um, I'm gonna take out my loot and start playing a really sad song because I'm pretty bummed. Oh, very sad. Elias, anything you want to add? I'm just letting you guys have your scene. I use his remark. I he pulls out one of his maps and pulls it out like I probably need to update this map to reflect what the terrain looks like and he sort of gets out a uh sort of a, a bluish pen and starts sort of drawing in water over the majority of the landmass that has been covered by water <laughs> since the maps are clearly not up to date about what the material plane actually looks like. This is, I might need more ink for this. Very accurate to the situation. So you're going to play your sad song while he fills in his map, and that's uh that's all the scene you guys want. I'm gonna start wandering around the deck though. Do you mind if I do a perception just to see if I notice any weird sounds? Perhaps. No, I mean, knock yourself out. All right. Because certainly there would be anything untoward happening on this ship at the moment. No, probably not. I only got a ten. Now, you look around, and the only thing you notice is stuff you could have asked about, which is, like, that the sails seem to be made out of some strange material, as well as the mm -hmm. the sides of the boat seem to be made out of something you haven't seen before. But mm. both of these seem to have been added to the ship. It was once a normal wooden ship, and it is no longer that. Mm. So it's like possibly some sort of gold leaf or something like that. Yeah, it's, def it's definitely a gold motif the company went with. Not surprising. Not surprising. Anybody else want to do anything? This is all happening simultaneously. Okay. Uh, in that case, uh, I, I would like to do something real quick. Um, Violet uh, checks on the frogman, who I guess is unconscious, and she uses her mouth and her horn to sort of manipulate uh, him around and look for keys. I'm basically looking to see if he has keys, because you said there was, like, padlocks. I don't want anything else on him. I don't need any money or whatever. I'm just trying to find out to see if he has, like, keys to the uh, to uh, the door. Um, yeah, you... you, you Use your snout <laughs> to, yeah. to push through his clothing. I have a horn. You find uh, keys to the padlocks he was using. You find a um, pouch with uh, five gold in it. And you find a book of writing in a language you do not read. Okay. Uh, she is not interested in the book or the money. Uh, Violet 
drags him into the cell that has food in it. You said there uh so just chucks him in there so. and uh and locks him in. And that way Done. he has food so he can Dunion rings. He can eat and not, you know, not die. Because uh, she wouldn't want that, even for uh, her enemy. But that's it. That's basically all I want to do. As you click the lock home, locking him in there, you hear voices yelling from above. So we're going to switch scenes. As uh, Elias is walking around the deck of the ship looking at stuff, Lavinia is playing her song, and Drop is, well, moping, I suppose. Yeah, moping is appropriate. The boat begins to move, and you hear... A very strange sound at the stern of the boat, unlike any of you have heard before. And uh, the people on shore start to go, Ah, berserk's a strong word. They're angry to see you leaving. And you guys are leaving the port. That is what is happening. Okay. I'm going to wave out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You see a skinny dwarf catch your eye, and he flips you off. He looks very upset. (laughs) I shrug and keep waving. (laughs) Like kind of, kind of give him this. I give him, give him this look that just goes, "What the fuck? Shit happens." Bye. <laughs> he flips you off with the other hand. Now he's double burden. It. He's dual wielding. He has proficiency with dual wielding. Huh. I give him, I give him a very slow, like pensive thumbs up, and then turn around back to the inside. Okay, <laughs> that's your turn. Anybody else? Huh? That one dwarf seems particularly angry at something. <laughs> 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 oh, this is going to be a good campaign. I can feel it. Uh, anybody else want to do anything? Um, I'm going to stop playing my song. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to start playing a yeah, song. Yeah, you can start. I'm going to stop and I'm going to blow kisses to everyone on shore. I somberly announce to everybody uh in in the cabin. I'd be like, uh this is a song that I wrote. It's called Unbelievable by EMF. <laughs> <laughs> nice. As you blow kisses to your adoring fans on the dock, you see one of them collapse, mouth frothing in excitement. Yes. And um, I'm, I turn to Elias and I'm like, hey, let's go look for more people. Oh, certainly. Uh, this is, the, it, the ship is certainly more crowded underneath the deck, so we should find at least some people who are interested and maybe becoming more fans of yours, right? I love fans. Yeah. Might as well make haste then. Fans are good. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna head towards uh the like main residential yeah where all the peeps are. As you guys walk over to the doors that will take you below deck, you hear the sound near the back of the boat intensify, and the ship tilts very uh very precariously, about almost forty five degrees straight up from the bow. So is that normal? I don't know. I'm not sure if that's normal. Uh, how about both of you on the deck make dexterity saving throws for me? Uh, certainly. Oh, yeah. Um, I only got an eight. That's a particularly bad roll there. Oopsie doodle. Okay, I got this. I got this. Uh, Eleven. Uh, it's not bad. The ship tilts pretty pretty bad. Elias loses his feet and goes sliding, but he hits up against Lavinia's feet as she is holding basically still. She's not... She's not doing a great job, but she basically stops him from going into an uncontrolled slide. As your guys' progress is thwarted, and the ship lifts up out of the water and into the sky. We're on an airship! This is not what I signed up for! The sound of the engines intensify. I put my bagpipes down 
and kind of raise my hands cautiously to all the gnomes around me and say, everybody, please stay calm. <laughs> Try not to die horribly. <laughs> if the grasp of death comes for you, embrace it. Don't struggle. That could get ugly. I've seen enough of death in my life to know that fighting it is pointless. <laughs> but everybody's gonna be okay. Or dead. So just stay calm. I love drop. <laughs> I want to have Violet go up the stairs and just kind of like listen to the door, like uh, uh, like what's beyond it, to see if there are any people just outside of it, or... Uh, you hear someone in a very sad voice giving a long speech about death to oh. a room of people who do not sound interested. Okay. Well, I want to peek out the door, but just, just a little bit. Just enough so my eye can see out the door, but I don't want to just burst in. <laughs> uh, you see a room uh, full of gnomes, a couple of dwarves, a couple elves, and a human. Am I correct in assuming that this human looks unusually morose? He does not look like he's having a great day. Okay, uh, Violet wants to look for a disguise, and the best thing for uh, a horn is a hat. So she's looking around. Is there a hat anywhere in the hold? Like luggage, or... That is a good question. The, the hattiest thing you see is what appears to be a costume jewelry wizard's hat. Um, like, a long, like, conical hat. It is bright pink, and... That is perfect. Okay, you scoop it up on your horn, and it covers your horn basically perfectly. Um, but you notice it is very gaudy. <laughs> it appears to be something that maybe a duchess wore to like a costume party as like a witch. Okay, um, with the hat now on Violet's horn, I uh, wanted to go up and open the door a little. Not just burst in like like a mad woman, but like just to look around and see if there's like any reaction. To her being there? Uh, I mean, people look in your direction, but most of them are just kind of holding to their seats so that they don't go sliding. And no one pays you particular mind. You get a couple of weird looks. People are like, huh, oh, that's weird. But also, a, a number of people saw the frogman take you down there. So you get the feeling that probably has something to do with it. You're not a surprise. In that case, I'm just going to play it safe and stay in the passenger section uh, since everything seems to be okay here for her. Back out on the deck, the ship is rising and rising and rising, higher than you've ever been, higher than the clouds even. You remember somewhere, somebody telling you that the Glitter Gold ships traveled at 10,000 feet in the air, at which point falling off would be like hitting concrete instead of water. I assume concrete has been invented. <laughs> it has been. Uh, you are very high now, and the ship levels out. You are now able to stand without issue. Uh, Vinny's kind of, like, blubbering. Aww. It's very scary for her. And she's just gonna slowly walk to the, over to, like, the, where everyone else is and go in there. The magic face on your loot frowns intensely. Intensely. <laughs> it is V-sad. Are you coming with, are you coming with Alias? Uh, of course. Alias? Uh, I just want to take a little bit more of this view in because it's uh, quite fascinating. Right behind you! And he just sort of runs to keep up. The view is gorgeous, I would say. Uh, but the one thing to note is that you look in every direction, and the only land you see is Meadowlark Island from which you departed. And you remember someone telling you, you remember Lavinia telling you, Elias, that she had heard the only way to get out of Lorelei was an airship. 
because as the waters had rose, they had become home to more fearsome and more fearsome sea creatures, Kraken, mm. Hydra, Leviathan, things whose shadows stretched from one horizon to another so that no ship could leave the sight of land without being dragged under. Huh. And then you enter the cabin in which you see a sad human, a horse wearing a gaudy pink wizard hat, and a number of gnomes. Um, v- Vinny's going to immediately walk over to Violet. Uh, okay. Uh, Elias will follow close behind as she approaches the hor- the hatted horse. I, I have a question. Um, Violet is from the same realm as the like the Dryads and the Eladrin. I think uh, the Feywild is where all the magical freaky characters are. Would she recognize uh, the Dryad and the Eladrin, you know, who, who are in front of her, like, as... As the sight people? of an Eladrin is definitely one you're familiar with. The dry, there's something off about the Dryad, though. You've never seen one quite like it. Elias is one to be very curious. He's going to look around and try to evaluate if anything on the ship is of particularly interesting uh, magical properties or anything. For no particular reason, he's just going to... You want to roll for that? I certainly can, and I also have expertise in it. Sweet. Uh, 20. All right, you look around and you actually find that the inside of the ship is very stock standard for a wooden sailing ship. It's hmm. strange. You'd think this most of it would be more high tech, but you get the sense that this was a converted wooden ship and that there is actually almost suspiciously nothing magical about the inside. It appears to only be the sails, the engine, and the layer of gold along the outside. Huh. Interesting. A commendable conversion job by the gnomes, I would say. <laughs> you hear a gnome somewhere in the background go, Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just sort of nods with a smile to the one who says thank you. He looks, uh, he looks over uh, to Lavinia and says, We should be more than safe in this vessel. You shouldn't need to worry about us being in the air like this. I just keep going up to Violet, and now I'm next to Violet. I'm going to say, You're such a pretty horse. <laughs> <laughs> Full on creeper. Leon, before before you continue, I'd like I'm kind of curious. What stat did you put into your charisma? Violet uh, has a charisma of six. That's my lowest one. Um, it's not. So fo- you're not that. You're really not that pretty a horse, are you? <laughs> charisma has multiple components. Physical beauty is one of them. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be ugly. He can be beautiful. Okay. A- beautiful and awkward and off-putting. All right. Also, as a dryad, Vinny is like loves animals no matter what. Plants and animals are her jam, so I don't even know she's a unicorn. I'm just really excited that there's a horse I can talk to, because I can speak to plants and animals. Did you say that in common when you addressed the horse? Um. Or did you use your speak to animals power? I'm going to use my speak to animals power. How does that work? That's not vocal. Uh, oh. Speaking to plants and animals is pheromone based, basically. So you just put a hand on it, and in in your mind, Violet, you hear... Vinny say, you're such a, would you say you're such a pretty horse? You're such a pretty horse. Yeah. I'm just a tiny bit confused. Is like the speak to animals magic like a two-way street or yes. what? Yeah. Yes, you can speak back. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because I, I do not entirely understand the mechanics of what what's going on, but um, it's, okay. It's magic, but basically it's nonverbal because how else would you speak to a plant? They can't talk. If Violet can speak to the dryad in front of her, then she says, help. I've been kidnapped. Did did Elias notice the horse being taken on ship with the frog person at the, uh, earlier, or 
Uh, Sketch, why don't you tell me? Did you want to have seen that earlier? Let's just play with it. Um, Elias would spend a lot of time just looking at things as they happen. Also, one of his his two expertise are in arcana, arcana and investigation, so he likes being very observant. So he might have noticed the horse being taken on board by the frog earlier. Yeah, sure, you saw it. Okay, that's all. Just he's not doing anything with that information for now. Just regarding Lavinia communicating with the horse. So Lavinia and <laughs> Violet are having this conversation. You say, "Help! I've been kidnapped." <laughs> Elias was looking around the cabin and noticing details about the ship that may or may not be important. And Drop, are you doing anything of particular note? Um, let's just say that I'm I'm beginning to speak to the gnome who's sitting right next to me about how if you dropped from the airship at a height like this, it would probably be like um, your body hitting concrete. I don't know what made me think of that. What's concrete? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> Uh, I begin. Uh, I begin lecturing the um, the gnome uh, about my uh, uh, stone working <clears throat> work that I I did at the monastery, <laughs> having to replace fallen bricks that had guts all over them. As you explain the ins and outs and intricacies of stucco, <laughs> you hear a shout from up on deck, and then another, and then panicked voices all at once as uh, something is clearly going wrong up there. All of you hear this. Mm. I put my hands up and say, everybody stay calm. Does <laughs> anybody else want to do anything? Uh, I believe it's just sort of glances up and, you know, standard, standard line thing. What the devil could be going on up there? I need to think of a better term than what the devil. That's not appropriate for him to say. <laughs> What's your god? Uh, he has two gods that he follows, Corlon and Sayanine. You can say, what the Corellin? <laughs> <laughs> What the Corellin is going on up there? As you take your god's name in vain, <laughs> hey, the door to the area you guys are in flies open, and a gnome from the top of the sta- stairs yells, It's the Black Hearts! And that name strikes fear in you, Lavinia, as you know for dead certain that's the name of the people who killed you. Fuck! Dun dun dun! Ah! Executive producers for Dice Funk for the month of June 2016 are Joseph Timberlo, Ingmar Gremmen, The Church of Gorfanax, Finch de Jong, Kirsten Haslinger, King Waza, James Bevan, Allison Ansel, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Wayne Witzke, Brent, Jason, Sarah Hanley, Neil, Melissa Booker, Keith Snyder, Esther, Cameron Abbas, Ariel Badger Release, Zenith Will Rule, Exley, Gary Sion, Dash on the Rage Monster, Carl, Harrison Andrew, Jade, Tarka, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Anna Stulfar, Dylan, Giorgio Renna, Christopher Charlo, Cody Jackson, and August Rue. Our theme song is Thunderstruck, an overclocked remix arrangement of Windmill Hut from The Legend of Zelda. You can support the show by subscribing to us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, or YouTube. 
If you'd like to help more directly, you can find me at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you can find Leon at patreon.com slash renegadecut.